Hello, this is Dr. John Winslow with the Society of Orthopedic Manual Therapy coming to you from Ithaca, New York. The Society of Orthopedic Manual Therapy is rooted in the philosophy that structure and function are interrelated and restoring mobility to skeletal, arthrodial, myofascial, and neural structures will create more efficient posture and fluidity of movement, thus promoting health and well-being. Manual therapy has been practiced throughout history and no one profession owns manual therapy. The Society of Orthopedic Manual Therapy is eclectic, inclusive, dedicated to training all bodywork professionals in the art and science of manual therapy. Please check out our website, somtusa.com, for upcoming courses in manual therapy. In today's podcast, we'll explore somatic dysfunction, impaired or altered function of the related components of the body framework, skeletal, arthrodial, and myofascial structures. To restore and maintain optimal health, the somatic system must be balanced and functioning properly. Osteopathic medicine was founded in 1874 by a medical doctor named Andrew Taylor Still. As a young man, Still suffered from chronic headaches, of which doctors were unable to provide him any relief. One day, he fell asleep for a few minutes with his neck wedged between the roots of an oak tree, and when he awoke, his headache was completely gone. At that moment, he had an epiphany that the musculoskeletal system must play an important role in other functions of the body. Still had experienced what is known as a suboccipital release, where the therapist places direct pressure on the base of the skull and holds for 3-5 to five minutes until the tissue softens. Still served as a physician and surgeon during the Civil War. In 1864, after he lost three of his children to spinal meningitis, he divorced himself from orthodox medicine and devoted his life to studying the human body and finding better ways to treat disease. Still believed that joint and soft tissue restrictions reduce the flow of blood, and by releasing the restrictions, blood flow is normalized. He called this concept the law of the artery. The first school of osteopathy was opened in Kirksville, Missouri in 1892 and was based on four basic principles. The human body functions as a total biologic unit. The body possesses self-healing and self-regulatory mechanisms. Structure and function are interrelated. And abnormal pressure in one part of the body produces abnormal pressure and strains upon other parts of the body. Later in the 19th century, osteopathy became more orthodox, conforming to the allopathic medical model. Into this void stepped David Daniel Palmer, the founder of chiropractic medicine. Palmer, a farmer with no medical training, believed that sublux spinal vertebra, altered vital nerve transmission, was the root of all disease. If a sublux vertebra was adjusted back into place, nerve flow would improve and the disease cured. Palmer called this the law of the nerve. Some say that Palmer attended a lecture by A.T. Still and borrowed his concepts to develop chiropractic. Palmer's story is that he manipulated the neck of a man named Harvey Lillard that resulted in restoring his hearing that he had lost some years prior. The term chiropractic comes from a Greek word meaning done by hand. In 1897, Palmer established the Palmer College of Cure, which later became the Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Both osteopathy and chiropractic are rooted in the philosophy that the musculoskeletal system is intimately tied to all the other systems in the body, respiratory, digestive, nervous, endocrine, lymphatic, cardiovascular, urinary, and reproductive, and restoring mobility to restricted joints and soft tissues will improve the function of these systems and promote health and well-being. Western allopathic medicine is based on the biomedical model that uses Newtonian deductive reasoning breaking down complex systems into smaller ones. The body is broken down into different systems with a focus on pathology and disease. As mentioned in our first podcast on the marvelous myofascial system, physicians are so specialized they are unable to think across systems and view the body as a whole. 
Hippocrates, 460 to 385 BC, a Greek physician considered the father of medicine, believed the physician's job was to facilitate the body to heal itself as opposed to attempting to eradicate a disease. In his writings, Hippocrates described massage and manipulation techniques to treat musculoskeletal as well as internal conditions. Hippocrates recommended following manual therapy with movement and exercise. The body has an innate ability to heal itself. Treating the human being as opposed to the disease will result in greater long-term success. Too often, therapists focus on eliminating symptoms such as pain instead of identifying and correcting the underlying problem. The word pain itself can be crippling. Try and use words other than pain when interacting with patients, such as discomfort, and keep your language positive and encouraging. Chasing pain becomes a vicious cycle and ultimately results in overutilization of diagnostic tests, the use of medication and surgery, and poor long-term outcomes. Structural integration is a method of bodywork developed by Ida Roth, Ph.D., that rebalances the body by bringing its major segments, head, shoulder, chest, pelvis, and legs, into vertical alignment to promote structural harmony and well-being. Ida Rolf received her Ph.D. in biochemistry from Columbia University in 1920 and worked for the Rockefeller Institute in New York City. Throughout her life, Ida was interested in alternative healing and spent endless hours studying and experiencing homeopathy, osteopathy, chiropractic, and yoga. She eventually developed her own system of bodywork, that she named Structural Integration. Ida practiced and taught her bodywork techniques to practitioners from all disciplines and in 1971 opened the Rolf Institute of Structural Integration in Denver, Colorado. It is the only institute of its kind where Rolf practitioners get certified through a one to two year, 700 hour program, very similar to massage therapists. Ida Rolf proposed that the human body, starting at birth, adapts to the Earth's gravitational pull and that balance becomes easier as the body approaches a more vertical position. The goal of Rolfing is to work with gravity to achieve structural balance. Newton's apple proved that gravity governs all matter in relation to the earth. The apple will always fall straight down because gravity acts through its center of mass. According to Rolf, if the centers of gravity of each segment, head, shoulders, chest, pelvis, and legs, are aligned over one another, gravity provides support for each segment and the body as a whole is more stable. If the segments are out of alignment, gravity pulls on them, creating abnormal stress and tension. Wolf's law that explains how bone adapts to stress can be applied to connective tissue in this scenario. The chronic tension becomes an irritant that causes an inflammatory cascade. Mast cells are activated and produce histamine and heparin, leading to vasodilation and increased permeability. Macrophages begin cleaning the area of inflammation in preparation for repair. Fibroblasts produce new thickened collagen in an attempt to shore up the area, and tissue soon loses flexibility and elasticity, which leads to abnormal movement and the start of a vicious cycle of dysfunction. Rolfers identify and release fascial restrictions to balance the body within the forces of the gravitational field and create more efficient posture and movement patterns. A domino effect may occur whereby the loss of mobility is passed from one segment of the body to another. Andrew Taylor Still first identified this phenomenon and it has been explored and discussed by practitioners from multiple disciplines. Ida Roth proposed that fascia is continuous throughout the body like a sweater and pulling on the corner of the sweater affects all the threads in the sweater. If a fascial restriction develops as a result of injury, surgery, overuse, or poor posture, it has the potential to create dysfunction in areas distant to the restriction. 
Grab a hold of your shirt just above your hip and drag it down. Now attempt to elevate your shoulder. Feel the tension that is created and the resistance in the movement. A similar concept has more recently been introduced in the physical therapy literature by Robert Weiner and colleagues coined regional interdependence. This concept states that seemingly unrelated impairments in a remote anatomical region of the body may contribute to or be associated with the patient's primary symptoms. A variation of the regional interdependence model is the stability-mobility continuum proposed by Gray Cook, physical therapist. This model explains how the human body naturally has joints that are stable and joints that are mobile. When joints are affected by injury, surgery, or posture, the function of the joints can change roles from mobile to stable or vice versa. In a healthy functioning body, starting at the core and moving towards the head, the hips are mobile, the lumbopelvic area is stable, the thoracic spine is mobile, scapular thoracic articulation is stable, neck and glenohumeral joints are mobile, the elbow is stable, and the hand is mobile. Dropping down from the hips, the knee is stable and the ankle is mobile. To understand this concept, let us hypothetically consider a patient who has hip stiffness and loss of mobility due to moderate osteoarthritis. The hip's role and function has now changed from mobile to stable. The repercussion is that the lumbar spine now becomes mobile and the additional motion at the lumbar spine may place abnormal stress on the discs, facet joints, nerves, and other pain-sensitive tissues. Without addressing hip stiffness in this scenario, the low back pain will most likely continue. Another example is if the thoracic spine becomes stiff as a result of poor posture. This loss of mobility will be transmitted to the shoulder that could result in impingement, rotated cuff tears, and hypermobility. The neck can also be affected and lead to neck pain and headaches. Tom Myers, a licensed massage therapist and Rolf practitioner, is the author of Anatomy Trains, a book that describes myofascial lines that connect muscles and fascia throughout the body. Tom studied with Ida Rolf, Moshe Feldenkrais, and Buckminster Fuller and practiced integrative bodywork for over 40 years. Through his bodywork practice, extensive study of human anatomy, and cadaver dissections, Tom identified 12 interconnected myofascial lines or meridians. An example of one of the myofascial lines is the superficial back line that runs from the bottom of the toes, around the heels, up the back of the legs and trunk, over the head, ending on the frontal ridge of the skull. The structures in the superficial back line include the plantar fascia, gastrocnemius, hamstrings, sacrotuberous ligaments, erectus spinae, and the cranial fascia. A systematic review of anatomical dissection studies was conducted by Krauss and colleagues to determine the existence of myofascial lines or meridians proposed by Myers. Two independent examiners searched anatomical dissection publications in Medline, ScienceDirect, and Google Scholar. The quality of the studies was evaluated utilizing the quality appraisal for cadaveric studies, which has proven to be reliable and valid. The initial literature search yielded 6,584 publications and after the inclusion and exclusion criteria was met, the sample comprised 62 studies. Strong evidence was found for the superficial back line, 14 studies, back functional line, 8 studies, and front functional line, 6 studies. There was moderate evidence for the spiral line, 5 of 9 transitions based on 21 studies, and moderate to strong evidence for the lateral line, 2 of 5 transitions based on 10 studies. There was no evidence for the superficial front line, no verified transitions based on seven studies. This systematic review provides some support for the existence of fascial lines within the body, 
particularly the superficial back line and the front and back functional lines. Myofascial lines and meridians provide the therapist with a progressive way of viewing the human body. Although more research needs to be done, Tom Meyer's concepts are the start of a new age of human anatomy and its clinical application. Therapists need to turn their focus from single anatomic structures to addressing the continuity of the whole body. For example, historically, therapists have treated plantar fasciitis locally with ultrasound, cross-friction massage, intrinsic foot muscle strengthening, calf stretching, and arch supports. More recent studies have shown that tightness of the hamstrings and erector spinae are strongly associated with plantar fasciitis. Both of these groups of muscles are included in the superficial back line, and treating plantar fasciitis should include soft tissue work to the gastrocnemius, hamstrings, and erector spinae, in addition to the plantar fascia. Helen Lagavine and Jason Yandao suggest that fascia may function as a body-wide meridian system. Using diagnostic ultrasound, they linked acupuncture points to intermuscular connective tissue planes and provided a plausible explanation for the traditional Chinese medicine meridian system. The flow of qi, or life energy, may occur in the fascial planes and be influenced by bodywork. An earlier study conducted by Lagavine demonstrated that twisting acupuncture needles in tissue stimulates fibroblastic activity via mechanotransduction and may explain the mechanism of how acupuncture works. Vladimir Yanda contracted polio when he was a young man living in Czechoslovakia and during his recovery in a wheelchair became interested in how muscles functioned to maintain posture and produce movement. Yanda attended medical school and became a neurologist and physiatrist he spent his entire life studying muscles and human movement. He identified two groups of muscles based on their phylogenetic development that he classified as tonic or phasic. The tonic muscles consist of the flexors and are phylogenetically older and more dominant. These are the muscles that are most active early on after birth. The phasic muscles consist of the extensors and emerge shortly after birth as the baby lifts its head and eventually sits and walks. Yanda observed that in the presence of postural dysfunction, tonic muscles are prone to tightness or shortness and phasic muscles are prone to weakness or inhibition. The weakness has been postulated to be caused by the muscles being in a lengthened position as a result of poor posture, referred to as stretch weakness. The classification Yanda created is not rigid. Some muscles may exhibit both tonic and phasic characteristics. Yanda identified alternating sides of weakness and tightness in the upper and lower quarter of the body, he called these patterns cross syndromes. The upper cross syndrome involves facilitation of tightness of the upper trapezius, levator scapula, and pectoralis muscles, as well as inhibition or weakness of the deep neck flexors, lower trapezius, rhomboids, and serratus anterior. These muscle imbalances lead to forward head and rounded shoulder posture that creates dysfunctional zones that become more susceptible to pathology. These zones include subcranial, mid-cervical, shoulder, and mid-thoracic. In the lower quarter, Yanda recognized two distinct patterns of muscle tightness and weakness depending on the presence of an anterior or posterior pelvic tilt. In the case of an anterior pelvic tilt, tightness or shortening was observed in the hip flexors and thoracolumbar extensors and weakness or inhibition in the abdominals and gluteal muscles. In the case of posterior pelvic tilt, the muscles that become tight or shortened include the hamstrings and abdominals, and the muscles that are lengthened and become weak include the rectus spinae and hip flexors. Changes in pelvic position create dysfunctional zones between L4 and S1, pelvis, and the hip. Yanda recommended first restoring proper length to the tonic muscles with soft tissue techniques and stretching, 
and then prescribing corrective exercise to reactivate and strengthen the phasic muscles. In our podcast on the marvelous myofascia system, we explored how the epineurium that encases the entire nerves extends from the dura mat and intimately connects the body with the central nervous system. Ida Rolf recognized when clients were under emotional stress, their body flexed or contracted, and when she released the tightness and brought the body into a better alignment, the person often was able to let go of repressed thoughts and emotions. Crying during a rolfing session was not uncommon. She coined the term somato-emotional release. It is easy to see when a friend or family member is distressed due to life circumstances by observing their posture. Often they display a protective posture of flexion of the spine and internal rotation of the extremities. On the other hand, when people are happy and feeling good, they carry themselves in an upright and outward way. Ida Rolf understood that she was not only treating the physical body, but the person's biography. Dr. Paul Epstein, a naturopathic physician, believes our bodies remember what our minds try and forget. Psychotherapists attempt to elicit repressed thoughts and emotions from past trauma with talk therapy. Bodywork therapists accomplish this through empathetic touch. Bodywork therapists and psychotherapists can work collaboratively to help patients process and move beyond these painful and past experiences. Holding patterns from emotional distress that continue over time can alter posture, create abnormal movement, and result in physical and emotional disharmony. Concepts from structural integration, regional independence, myofascial lines, and cross syndromes can provide a framework for assessing and treating somatic dysfunction. The goal of structural integration is to identify and release fascial restrictions to balance the body within the forces of the gravitational field and create more efficient upright posture and movement patterns. Understanding that fascial or joint restriction in one region of the body has the potential to create dysfunction in areas distant to the restriction reminds therapists to widen their lens when examining patients. Acknowledging the existence of a body-wide fascial meridian system may help therapists treat the whole person and not just focus on single anatomic structures. Knowing that certain muscles in the body have a propensity to become tight and others weak enables the therapist to construct a treatment plan to resolve muscle imbalances and improve functional alignment and movement. Start at the feet and work up the body to release fascial restrictions, mobilize joints, realign segments, and bring the body into an effortless upright posture. Remember to treat the whole person and not just repair its parts. If a mechanic just replaced worn out tires and did not adjust the car's alignment, the tires would wear in the same way and the consumer would be back for another set of tires. Philip Greenman, a doctor of osteopathy and one of my mentors, recommended a diagnostic triad to evaluate somatic dysfunction. He used the acronym ART. A for asymmetry of posture, R for range of motion of joints, several joints, or regional and global movement, and T for tissue texture abnormalities of skin, fascia, and muscles as a guide to assess the body. The goal of treatment is to facilitate the innate ability of the body to heal itself by releasing fascial and joint restrictions and creating more efficient posture and movement patterns. Orthopedic manual therapy is not only a mechanical science, but a therapeutic art a skill that is easier to discover for some than others. However, can certainly be learned. That's it for today's podcast. Until next time, this is Dr. John Winslow with the Society of Orthopedic Manual Therapy in Ithaca, New York. Remember to develop an eclectic treatment approach. Stay informed of new evidence. Embrace the healing power of touch. 
and always follow manual therapy with movement and exercise. Check out our website, somtusa.com, for upcoming courses in manual therapy, and join us for our next podcast on Paradoxical Posture.